Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Let's move to the country Let's move to the country Just you and me A goat and a monkey A mule and a flea Let's move to the country just You and me Bill Callahan is a gifted songwriter, singer, and musician who currently lives in Austin, Texas. Over the past 30 years, Callahan has made some of the most significant rock and folk music of our time, first under the name Smog, and then since 2007 under his own name. His latest album is called Gold Record, which includes one old smog tune called Let's Move to the Country, but is otherwise a fresh 
wry batch of standalone narrative-based songs, which Drag City Records released on September 4th, 2020. Bill and I had a chat recently about Gold Record, processing the news, but also lots of comedy as well, working weddings, Johnny Cash and Leonard Cohen, the state of late-night TV talk shows, his love for Ry Cooter, missing David Berman, drumming and the drums, future plans, and much more. We didn't get to the Smog cover song, and I'm sorry, I forgot. It was on my mind, but I, I forgot. Otherwise, great. This is a, a good chat. A part of the Entertainment One Network, with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control and Massey Hall's concert film series, live at masseyhall.com, where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests like Chad Van Galen, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 562nd episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Bill Callahan, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Let's move to the country, just me and you. Hi, Bill. How's it going? Good. <laughs> it's nice to have you uh, back on the show. It's nice to chat with you. Uh, it's it's nicer to chat with you to have you back on the show. If I might correct myself, is that does that resonate with you? I'm just happy we're talking. Yeah, I mean, show business is my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> Where in the world are you today, Bill? I'm in Austin, in uh, Austin, Texas, and. You know, I just before before we started recording, I, I told you that my our kitchen had just been gutted, and now I'm sitting out on the front porch, and a truck pulled up called ET Plumbing, and it's got ET's finger on it, turning on a faucet. They, there's a lot of uh, that's awesome. There's a lot of funny, or uh, at least uh, wannabe funny general contractors, aren't there? They all have like funny puns. Have you seen anything else? Like I, I'm trying to think of some I've seen, but they, I like it. I enjoy. I I'm more compelled to go with a company that has a pun in their name than yeah, yeah. W- one that's like we are very professional. Yeah, playfulness is good. You know. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear about your your kitchen there. How uh, how is everything else in the state of Texas going from your vantage point? Well, you know, looking at my direct surroundings uh everything seems fine you know there's no zombies <laughs> in the street or trying to infect trying to infect me you know <laughs> um. <laughs> no zombies is always good that's a good that's a good situation to be in if there's no no zombies okay good good but good if, if i look at the news there's a lot of just the worst things ever happening in my lifetime in just about every aspect of life that is out there. Um, so I try not to look at the news more than once a day. And then that has made me a lot happier. And I think, I hope everybody can do that. Is there a particular time of the day 
do you wait till the sort of middle of the day? Because I, I was just saying this to my wife that we have to stop either processing serious information or, or in, you know, indulging in a discussion about serious family things just before bed, uh, because I find it leads to uh, restless uh, and uh, damaged sleep. Uh, is there a particular time of, of day that works best for you to process uh, the hard truths of our, our collective uh, condition? I think probably around like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, just because, you know, I've done my work in the morning. It's like the most like energetic and productive time is like 9 a.m. till two something. And, and then, you know, you can check in with that outside world and then you still have like dinner to look forward to. Yeah. If, you know, and TV, <laughs> TV after, you know, before bed. And so I tried to put it, stand, sandwich it in the middle. Right. Okay. So you, I think we're on the same wavelength though. Do you agree with me that it's good not to, to deal with the terrible things? Cause I also read, I tend to read books, novels, nonfiction, before bed to help me sleep and by the same token now i'm like this novel is very disturbing and this work of nonfiction is not good and then i try to sleep and then again tainted tainted sleep uh <laughs> so i don't know am i yeah. am i overthinking this maybe i i can't decide if i'm just it's if no, it's a- i've totally even like violent tv shows which i thought i was i thought i was kind of immune to you know, the whole thing of like being affected by, you know, like I thought I had the, that separation. Well, this is just a TV show or a movie. Like it's not really like penetrating my, my psyche. But then I just noticed like watching violent things before bed, I would always have a nightmare. Hmm. So it's, you know, a strict diet of the American office before bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on, uh, as we're speaking, I'm on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Seinfeld. I'm in kind of a Larry David zone. Are you familiar with those shows? I am. Yeah. Do you like them? Yeah, those are great. I also like that uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. It's kind of a good bedtime show. You know what the best one I think might be, and people will will argue. I, I have a lot of favorites, but I like the Jamie Fox one. I was not expecting to like the the Jamie Fox episode as much as I did, but he's very he's very entertaining. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen that one. It's good. Did you did you purposely skip it because you're like I don't like Jamie Fox? Are you that kind of person? Because I was. It's not that I dislike him actively. I was just like I don't. I like Letterman. You know, I'm gonna watch the Letterman one. And the Norm Macdonald one, like there were ones I wanted to watch, Tina Fey, these kinds of people. But I didn't think I'd, my go-to, and Eddie Murphy, my go-to wasn't going to be Jamie Foxx. But he's very, it actually has sent me down Jamie Foxx YouTube wormholes. He's very entertaining. He's very funny. Yeah, I knew that from his, he has a radio show, or I don't know if it's still going, but on Sirius XM, Hmm. he had his own kind of, party radio show that was like really hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah he's got he's, does he have texas roots i feel like he does in, in my head he's from 
where near uh, near where you are. Maybe I'm sorry. This is not meant to be a Wikipedia Jamie Foxx entry. I don't know how that happened, but I just wanted to to establish yeah. that we like Jamie Foxx. Yeah, I got no idea where he's from. <laughs> I think he might be from <laughs> Houston or something like that. Anyway, yeah, he's anyway. It's good. It's good. We're trying to uh, find little uh, uh, things to uh, you know distract us, I guess. And uh, I want to uh, first of all uh, commend you and congratulate you on your your new album, uh, Gold Record. Uh, you have been doing a unique thing, I think, uh, in that you have been releasing. Uh, is it about a song a week? Is that what you've done? You've you announced the album and then put exactly. out one song a week on Mondays, right? Yeah, except uh, that just finished last Monday, and then I did the first nine songs in order of you know the sequence of the record, and then the tenth song. I like to say you have to buy the record to hear that, but actually you don't. You just have to. It'll be all be streaming at once. Right. Right now, let let me just ask you about the the logistical decision to to, to do this to release uh, each song in sequence. Uh, I'm sure you've been asked about this before, or people are wondering why you chose to do this, and I'm among them. Why? Why, Bill? Why do the why release the record in in such a way? You know, I the way that I grew up uh, is listening to records, and then I my musical like. My, you know, my musical production career, you know, when I was in the studio, I was making a physical object in my head, you know, that was the end result. Mm -hmm. So when all that was kind of, uh, evaporated or stolen from me, as I like to say, (laughs) um, Sorry, we can, sorry, just before you continue, and I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought, you just uh, suggested something was stolen from you. And as both a police officer, well, actually, I shouldn't say that these days. I don't want to be a police officer. I was going to make a joke. No, as an investigative reporter, I need to know, what do you mean by that? What was stolen from you exactly, Bill? You know, the pleasure of making physical objects. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Having, have, having my, that's how the music is uh, received yeah. by right. Okay. people. Right. I, I assume that's what you meant. Sorry. I, I I'm a bad investigative reporter. I'm asking s- silly, obvious questions. I apologize for interrupting. Uh, please continue. That's okay. <laughs> um, uh, so just looking for ways to experiment with streaming, which I think is not a very fun format, really. It's just a file. It's just words on a computer, and you click on it. And So, you know, I did Shepard a side at a time. The, the previous record, I, I re- released it one side at a time mm-hmm. and that seemed to work for that and then for this record the songs seem to be kind of standalone songs and not really as interconnected as say a lot of my previous records right right so it's kind of look, looking at them as individual songs that could be appreciated just like that as one at, one one at a time Okay, so it is both a comment on current consumption habits in a way, uh, or at least a reaction to it, if not a comment. And as you say, the songs kind of stand alone. Uh, and I, I found that too. The last time you were on the show was uh, just ahead of, you alluded to it. Your last record was called uh, Shepherd in a Sheepskin Vest. And so uh, at the time when we spoke, uh, I think I asked you about uh, how it, it seemed particularly uh, autobiographical, uh, truthful, 
to you and your life, your life and, and your family. And, and I think you acknowledge that fact. And when I processed the songs on gold record, I had uh, the notion that, oh, this seems more objectively observational, uh, more story orient, storytelling kind of songs, narrative, uh, fictional sort of narratives, fantastical narratives. Uh, is that, is that fair? Would you say? Yeah. I mean, I, each song is kind of like its own short story almost. Um, yeah. But you know, it, to me, it's, it's all kind of the same, you know, it's just like what names you put on things. Like if I had, well, I guess it's not the same. I mean, obviously with, with a shepherd record, I was, you know, actually trying to rein it into the walls of this house. And, mm-hmm. but then with gold record, I, yeah, I just wanted to look out beyond the house into other people's lives and, yeah, just put a different perspective on on things. <laughs> the the, uh, the one thing that strikes me is that uh, your use of the the, the pronoun I, uh, I think on Shepherd, it really I think that's what it was. I was like, this seems like you. Like when you sang I, in various spots uh, or me or whatever us, it felt like you and us. Whereas when I think of songs like. On the new record, there's a song called The Mackenzies, and I thought, oh, this seems like Bill. This seems like the Bill that we have come to know, you know, maybe neighbor shy or what have you, and 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 funny, uh, and uh, into the movies of Kid and Play. That seems like the Bill we know. But then as it went on, I'm like, oh, this, is, uh, this has taken a twist. This has taken a turn. And so I'm not suggesting, obviously, every song you write, Bill, is a some reflection of your thoughts and feelings, but... It's fair to say, like you, th- these are uh, these narrators, these eyes, not necessarily you, it, not you reflecting real lived experience, just more observational storytelling. Is that? I, I hope I'm not putting too much on it, but that's my reading of it. Is that is that a is that a decent reading, Bill? Well, I mean, I think you can. What matters in a story is the the kernel of of what it's about, you know, Mm. so you can, you can tell a story with ghosts, but really it's like, you know, you're not going to say, Hey, you know, I don't believe in ghosts. So this story doesn't mean anything to me or this never happened because there's no such thing as dragons or, I mean, all that matters is what the story is really about, you know? Yeah, sure. So whether or not the physical details of something you know, with something like the Mackenzies, I'm more just trying to talk about the different... I mean, I see the world in a familial structure. You know, everything to me is has a mother and a father and is a daughter and a son. And, you know, and we're all kind of looking to be fathered and mothered and to be a father and mother to ourselves and our friends and our sons and daughters and <laughs> yeah um our music and our creations and you know so I, I just it's the the message is just dressed up in different clothing that might not actually be real yes yeah, yeah fair enough so on shepherd uh when we talked about shepherd there was this, this you know you kind of acknowledged you know you had 
you'd gotten married and you'd had a, you'd had a, a child and and so that those experiences were uh, and, and you know you're you you'd lost parents i, I think like you you'd kind of uh were reflecting these real things these real familial experiences and when i think of the new record i can see that same interest in let's call it nuclear families or domesticity even um i can see it but it comes from a, a it seems to me like you're looking at it more as uh from the outside uh like the song pigeons by the way have i i'm not going to gush too much here but i love these songs very much and i've lived with them uh for a long time now it feels like already uh because you released them and also I got a copy of the record really early. So I've been living with these songs for a while and I really love them. And the more I listen to them, uh, I feel like I'm, I don't, I don't know. There's just more things that are coming to light about your relationship to your relationships, I suppose. In the song Pigeons, you take on the voice of a limo driver uh, who basically drives newlyweds around, uh, just like fresh off their weddings. And so your interest in marriage and weddings is coming through in a totally different prism than here's my experience. You're kind of looking at it like from that person's perspective, someone outside but involved <laughs> in, in this new union. And I wonder if that is, is, is that impulse from you to be like, maybe I should. I was really the last record. I was really inside looking at what it's like to have this experience. What are the people just outside of that? think and what are they going through what are they feeling what is their perspective on it was that a conscious choice on your part to kind of i don't know look at your life uh from the perspective of someone just outside of it um yeah i mean i i take uh great care with the sequencing of my records but i also i take into consider i try to sequence from the last record to the next record so mm. pigeons since it was such a similar you know in the same vein as the as shepherd in terms of like mo- it, like a motif uh, yeah yeah i thought it would you know help transition you know same motif but like different perspectives and um i've been to a lot of weddings in the last five or six years because my wife is so goddamn charming and friendly <laughs> that, that she has a million friends. And so I've had a lot of, besides my own wedding, I've had a lot of uh, experience just observing and knowing that I always kind of feel like, depending on how well you know the person getting married, I mean, sometimes you only know, sometimes you know neither of them if they're friends of your wife. Or sometimes you know one of them, but you don't know the the partner that they're going to get married to. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, kind of awkward downtime where there's a bunch of people who don't know each other, and they're just kind of making small talk and drink, get you know, drinking too much because it's awkward. And <laughs> um, so I started to think about, well, who has the best the best thing about my wedding was probably leaving it's when you get to leave everyone behind, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you get to, you get to go off with your, on your new life. So thinking about the type of, the limo driver that does that is kind of has the best job and they're kind of like a guardian angel 
kind of escorting you from the purgatory of in between your unmarried life and your married life and yeah someone is kind of escorting you into your next world <laughs> yeah uh, yeah there's also uh, what it what it brought to mind for me is there's a whole cohort of people involved in a wedding uh, that is very emotional and very excited and jubilant. But then there's this other cohort of workers who are completely dispassionate. Uh, I've played in sort of wedding bands, you know, ad hoc wedding bands. And it was a thing yeah. that started as a joke. And then people were like, hey, can you play our wedding? And we're like, oh, okay, now it's kind of this business. So you kind of are rolling into town. If you If you work in the service industry of some kind uh, and you host uh, weddings at a banquet hall every week, you are just doing your job <laughs> and uh, yeah. in the midst of all this joy, this new feeling for so many people. And you've got, in your case, a limo driver who's, you know, he's a he's something of a philosophical character and has a, a vantage point, as you say, on this new feeling that the new feeling experiencers just can't really fathom. I found that interesting in itself, this you're saying yourself, you go to weddings, sometimes you know the people, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're excited. Well, you didn't say this, but I assume that's what you're getting at. Like Sometimes you're emotionally invested, sometimes you're not. That's kind of odd because it, it couldn't, uh, in a, ideally, bar, you know, short of a, the birth of a child, a wedding should be, if, if that's not tugging at your heartstrings, what else is there, you know? Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I feel like all of that's swimming around in that song as well. Yeah. I do. I mean, in truth, I do. I probably, I missed up at just about 90% of the weddings that I go to, like during the ceremony. Um, oh, that's, yeah, that, yeah, that, that part is, is always, is usually affecting, you know, it's just the reception after that can kind of go on a little too long. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. But the emotional part gets to, you're not writing from a detached. In fact, I mean, I feel like, let me quote uh, roughly or paraphrase this limo driver because at one point in this song he's asked for advice by the newlyweds and he suggests that, you know, when you're dating you only see each other and, and I believe the line is the, the rest of us can go to hell, but when you are married, you're married to the whole wide world. And I feel like based on our last conversation and your last record, you feel like you joined something, some kind of... I don't know, uh, fraternity, sorority, what what have you. You you feel like you joined into something by getting married. Is that fair? Yeah, it's, you know, I started thinking about, it's like married to the whole wide world, like all the people, but then also, well, animals, and, but also like on a molecular level, I think, because it just ties you in with the, just into the life, the death process, like, you know, I think having a partner, a partner is a witness. And yeah, that's just, it's, that's as best as I can explain it. Really. Well, I remember the last time you were saying that you're, you were talking about how you would end up in these conversations with relative strangers about just, you know, things your, your child was doing, you know, not sleeping or what have you. And you realized that there was this common language, like there was kind of, it's kind of this, common experience all throughout your neighborhood or all throughout your community and that really spoke to you um and i feel like that's swimming around on this this record too like these are common 
we're connected. Like we're all connected in a neighborhood, in a community by, even if we've never spoken, you know, we, we end up doing a lot of the same things and having a lot of the same experiences. And it's through these sort of incidental, uh, you know, conversations or happenstance meetings, your car breaks down, you meet a neighbor you've never talked to before. Again, I might be reading too much into this, but is that, that's kind of where you're at. I think you're like, Oh, I'm, I, I thought I was this, maybe I'm not saying you thought this, but I think some of us think we're lone wolves and the the issues we have and the feelings we have are our own, but they're, they're rather shared, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it used to be like, if you didn't have the first meat puppets seven inch, then I didn't want to talk to you. But. <laughs> <laughs> that is some 80s snobbery. If there ever, <laughs> if there ever is any, wow. Yes, exactly. You, you're, that's, yes, that is an interesting point. We, s- people, you, yeah. people view it as softening, but it's not, is it? It's empathy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's empathy and, and that's, yeah, I mean, I think kindness is, kindness is the answer to all our problems, you know, mm-hmm. really, like we have the least kind president that I've ever experienced. And, you know, it would be, things would be a lot better if he was a little kinder. Yeah. No, I don't really want to get into talking about that. But no, just... yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I can, I, I hear that. Uh, before we leave pigeons behind, the song, not the animal, uh, I have a couple of quick questions. Uh, the song begins uh, with one of the, every time I hear you say, hello, I'm Johnny Cash, I laugh. I mean, hear you say it, and you don't have to say it now. Please don't. But in the song, when I play the song, every time I can't help it, I laugh out loud. I'm a big, first of all, I'm a big Johnny Cash fan. Uh, student of Johnny Cash. I, I saw him play my first show ever at, uh, do you know Massey Hall in Toronto? You ever heard of that? Uh, yeah. It's like a relatively, Neil Young made it famous, I suppose, with a live album. But yeah, anyway, yeah. very, very venerable concert hall in Toronto. So the first thing I ever saw at Massey Hall, Johnny Cash in 1996. And uh, he he looms large. So when I hear you say, hello, I'm Johnny Cash, uh, which is a, a reference to uh, his uh, live at Folsom Prison album, and it became kind of a, a catchphrase of his at every concert. I think subsequent to that, maybe you can correct me on that history. But I, I that's amusing. I don't know why you did it, but I, I laugh every time. And then it occurred to me more recently that you end the song with sincerely L. Cohen, sincerely Leonard Cohen. I think is what the reference is. So you, hello, I'm Johnny Cash. See you later. I'm Leonard Cohen. So it begs the question. uh do you have a cousin who works for Columbia Records? Why are you promoting these two people? What is going on? Well, it seems like they needed a little, uh, <laughs> a little bump, you know. <laughs> no, they, I, I mean, I'm making, gotta, a, I'm making a joke, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you got to remember the little people once you've made it, like I have. <laughs> you, you have been peppering your songs with more pop culture names. Uh, uh, over the last few records and on this record as well. We'll get to, hopefully we can get to Ry Cooter, uh, who is an interesting, uh, character in all of our, uh, musical lives. Uh, this, this figment of our imagination, it feels like, who pops up every once in a while. But anyway, let's focus on that. What was the, what's going on there? Why is the song Pigeons sandwiched between uh, Johnny Cash and Leonard Cohen? If they are, why, why did you reference them there? Well, the, the Leonard Cohen thing is from, he says that at the end of, 
famous blue raincoat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, really, it was an act of whimsy, I would say. And then later, you know, sometimes you can uh, attach meaning to things. Maybe you meant, you know, after the fact. I really just did it because I thought it was uh, funny and kind of like a, <laughs> okay. col- a, a collage or a sample, you know, like throwing a sample in there. Um, uh, it doesn't have much yeah. to do with the sentiment of the song, those two figures? No, I don't think so. I mean, hmm. it's just kind of like a... It's like a what the fuck type of <laughs> sure. I guess thing. I guess if I'm going to look at it in a maybe heavy-handed way, which is what I do, my hands are heavy. Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash, on some level, the epitome of a showbiz marriage. Leonard Cohen, perhaps, you know, as much as he was a small, gruff-voiced, you know, art poet guy, ladies' man. So you have the the ladies' man, the single, the epitome of single life. And then I think the epitome of married life intermingling in this song about the nuances of of marriage and relationships and and what they mean and what they mean to the outside world. Even, you know, when you're married, you're married to the whole wide world. Like it's optics too. to be married. There's an optic idea there. Your parents say, when are you going to get married? Your aunts and uncles say, when are you going to get married? It's, It's like it doesn't even belong to you. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. Again, is this too much? I just I thought that was fascinating. The ultimate bachelor and the ultimate guy who had to settle down after, uh, you know, a wild ride, a wild uh, Johnny Cash. You know, just was always in love with June. Uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, I just thought that was fascinating. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that in that in that, in that particular light. No. It's interesting. Okay. Well, at the very least, it's interesting. I'm not going to get any answers, but I, th- there's no answer. I just I think that's weird. It's maybe it's all subconscious on your part. Yeah, I mean, I I really love sampling and music, and it was just kind of just mm. it seemed more effective anyway if it was just me saying it instead of an actual sample. Um, yeah, sure. It's just it's playing with the the idea of identity and how can someone be two people at once and then actually he's neither of those people and the limo, kind of, the limo driver you mean no i mean you know first the guy says he's johnny cash and now he's saying oh, Leonard oh. Cohen. <laughs> yeah. okay right, but, right. Okay. okay and then, and then it's like well which one which one is he then you realize well he's neither and, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I can totally appreciate what you mean by sort of a sample, uh, cultural sample, if you will. Um, and, and, but also I've been thinking about like the discrete nature of man, you know, like we started out tribally, you know, as far as we can tell, like we were a tribal being at the dawn of human civilization. And then we kind of developed a, the self became the big, uh, you know, I'm trying to find out who I am and yeah. I have to express myself, especially these days. Like everyone's got, you know, I got to ex- express my my story or whatever people say. It's gotten very extreme. And and I was kind of think that like the self is a dangerous thing when you start thinking of yourself as separate from others, you know, mm-hmm. when really we're all just one big glob of something floating in space and 
So, you know, it's just like a way to kind of play with that and also just my own identity of getting compared to Cash and Cohen a lot throughout my career. Yeah. And just kind of, yeah, just kind smashing. Of own, yeah, you're owning it. Yeah, and also not. Also not, yeah. It's funny you you invoke all of that because I I was struck by a line in the song 35, I don't see myself in the books I read anymore. You were talking there about how it's so important these days for people to see themselves or or to make themselves seen, I think. Uh, You know, this sense of, I need to tell my truth, whether it's here's a sandwich I ate or here's a thing I think. And when you say in this song, or when you write, sorry, the narrator says, I don't see myself in the books I read anymore, that's rather poignant. Uh, it's sort of a, not to use a pun given what the line is, but it's like a chapter turning. I'm I'm a little off the grid in terms of what people are talking about and what kinds of realities they're reflecting. Is that is that maybe where you were coming from with that line? No, not really. Um, it's more about, and I, you know, I do hate to, to squash anyone's connection to a song because I think songs are supposed to be whatever you want them to be. Um, and they're kind of, you know, I'm sure you've noticed just listening to a song. I I can listen to a song a hundred times and it affects me, but then without reading the lyric sheet, but then when I read the lyric sheet, it kind of changes. I was like, Oh, I'd never even heard half of these lines. Like at least not conscious, consciously. Uh, That's what happened with gold record. To be frank. Uh, I didn't notice the Leonard Cohen line, uh, in the song pigeons. I I didn't hear what you said. I heard sincerely L Cohn, And I'm like, L Cohn. Then I read it. I'm like, Nope, Cohen. Okay. That changes the whole thing. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. And that's, that's such a crazy thing about music is like, some things you just don't question. Like you heard that line and you just, you didn't stop to say, it didn't really like trip you up. You just like kind of let it go by, mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. you heard it. That's just interesting about how people listen to music like that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's a, the music has a very fascinating relationship with our overall senses, I guess. I mean, it, it is, it is ostensibly a, you know, oral or sonic experience but like you say if there's a lyric sheet or if we go if we ever have the chance to see you live again you know uh there's there's all there's a visual aspect obviously to it as well and these days with you know it's fascinating to your point about earlier point about how like it's not as physical as it used to be because we're streaming everything unless we buy your records but there's a visual aspect to it still in this weird way. We're reading <laughs> about how to get to your record. Uh, so it's, yeah, I feel like it's the, the, the visual and sonic aspect are still very intertwined. It's just not a, a tangible thing for some people, I guess. Uh, you don't touch it. It's not, yeah, tactile, I guess. Yeah. And I think that has been, well, my wife actually did her thesis on this, which is... Um, about how physical objects, how important they are to transmitting meaning, you know, and yeah. becoming part of our, our collective unconscious, like books are necessary for, for remembering things. Oh yeah. Know? Yeah. 
No, I, 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 like. I just unpacked. We moved from Ontario to, to Alberta, so I was unpacked. And my parents, before I left, said, why don't you take all your stuff from when you were f- four years old? And I was like, what? I'm just processing all the stuff I have from my 20s, but okay. And yeah, it's weird. Like, it's, uh, if I didn't, I mean, that's a sense of self thing, but within what I was, I mean, I just dug up all my VHS tapes and my, <laughs> and the CD compilations that don't exist anymore. And I thought about this time, uh, you know, all my records. Like, I just, like, this time is going to, uh, you know, when things sort of, I don't want to sound like an alarmist or a conspiracy, you know, conspiratorial, but like, all this non-tangible stuff may go and there'll be no, it'll be a very historical thing. Like we won't have any sense of what we were. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to go on a mini rant, but is is that maybe what your wife's thesis was hinting at? Um. Yeah. And also, yeah, like I've been, I set up an email account for my son and I've been sending him photos and recordings of him and little short films of him mm-hmm. and, and, just and I'm going to tell him about it when he's 18 or something. Mm-hmm. He can, but I don't even know if is he going to be able to open those files. <laughs> exactly. It, yeah. You know, like, the, the ADAT scare of the 90s is coming back to us in modern times. Yes, I agree. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I I uh, I appreciate what you're saying about about those things. I want to ask you about protest song. Uh, because it's a very poignant moment. <laughs> it's funny. There's so much humor, as always, in your work, but this one has some anger in it, and it seems to be coming from a real place. Are you uh, interested or willing to divulge more information about the, the, the song, protest song? Because it seems to emanate from a, a real uh, lived experience, potentially of, your, of you, Bill Callahan, something you witnessed and felt compelled to react to. Uh, what can you tell us about protest song? Yeah, I mean that's I started that song probably mm, 10 years ago. I had that you know, the idea for it and I used to watch a lot of Oh, we've talked about this before, like mm-hmm. Letterman and all that, right? We talked yeah. about it last time, right? And Larry Sanders show we talked about. I I know you and I have a yeah. I have to mention Larry Sanders show every time you and I speak cuz I don't get to talk about it with anyone else and it's my it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. So sorry, I just want to put that out there. But yes, we you, you and I both have yeah. a a strong affinity for late night. Yeah. So back this was I used to like watch those shows at least back when there was only one or two happening at, <laughs> Yeah. 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 Now I don't know how anybody how do you even pick one to watch? There's like five going on at once i just i stick with conan when i can uh i think he, uh, i think he's the best guy uh but uh, that's just me yeah yeah that's what you got to do is just pick somebody yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> i like seth myers too i like his uh closer looks those are always I, I feel like uh john stewart left the daily show and there's a bit of a void there anyway this is a whole now we're getting into tv criticism but i will say i like i like seth as a writer i think he's funny yeah. Anyway, right. you're right. It's uh, I don't know what happened with that industry, but everything else crashed, and late night uh, is uh, uh-huh. employing a lot of people. It seems, but yes, uh, yeah. Y- y- yeah, it's harder to figure out who and what to watch these days. For that, I agree. But um, yeah, I would watch. I, I kind of got fascinated with who was getting picked to play these show to play on the shows, and yeah, it was kind of. Uh, what's that word when you're something you can't, it's so awful you can't look away, kind of. Uh, 
uh, it's so awful. Well, compelled, I guess, is not exactly right, but yeah, there, there's a word I just can't remember. Yeah, I can't but, think um, of it either. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was just, I just kind of got very interested in like keeping tabs on that for a while, and I'm just kind of blown away by how awful it often was, and often it would be someone, you know, I'm someone who keeps up pretty well on music but it'd be someone like i'd never heard of and it's like where who are these people like where do they yeah come from are they just um and then you never hear from them again either it's like so it just came from like yeah sitting up late at night and <laughs> you know kind of just having a little like a charles bronson death wish <laughs> yeah there's a whole dark side to show booking uh there's so many stories about the the bookers on carson you know just having these weird out of touch preferences for who they booked as stand-ups on the show and so many stand-ups just being so frustrated that they couldn't get on and i've heard this from musicians too like i never i think Ma- uh, Stephen malcolm has said like i can't get on those shows anymore like i used to, i i asked him about being on letterman uh, in one of our last chats and it just i was like i guess you'll probably be doing all the late night shows and he's like i don't think so like i can't get on anymore i don't know why they just don't like us or something i don't know and i it, it's funny you say that because i'm sure i'm sure in your i'm sure you were watching it with the the curiosity of like uh well why can't i get on that i like letterman i i want to do this one of these shows someday or or do you i know some people the the whole process is gross it's very commercial and mainstream and and I'm sure you've heard the horror stories of people being like, yeah, I had to be there at 5 a.m. and sound check and then didn't go on till 4.30 in the afternoon. It's horrible. Like, it's not actually that much fun. Have you heard yeah. Have you heard those things? I have. And I've, yeah. I would still I'd do it. I don't really understand. I think maybe there's so many people that want to be on there. And I don't know the how they choose. Yeah. I really don't. I think it I just know. depends on the booker. I think if the booker is an outgoing person or an adventurous person or... I mean, I think the the cynical point of view is that, oh, it's got to be someone that's popular. But as you say, sometimes it's not. Uh, it's not someone who's particularly <laughs> popular. They just, you know, there's yeah. a lot of favoritism there, I'm, I'm sure. And I think these days, you know, things have gotten a lot more PC safe. Yeah. You know, like I remember... Seeing Captain Beefheart on Saturday Night Live uh, in the early 80s. And, you know, they're not going to let him come do Bat Chain Puller any any day soon <laughs> on you know, any of these shows, you know. It's confusing, though, because I feel like also because uh, of just the, I don't know, more widespread acceptance of weirdness. Uh, I don't follow it too much, but like if I even look at some of the saturday night live bookings in recent years some of them are like to what you were saying kind of like who is this person oh they're gone you know they did the show and then you don't hear from them again but on the other hand i'm like that's kind of interesting that they would give this person this this you know very coveted profile like high profile uh, uh, you know performance space i don't know it's it's weird i think they want to some of them some of the shows want to seem cool uh, that was a big thing about like when John Stewart had a talk show in the nineties, he would have all sorts of interesting 
musical guests because he wanted to seem cool or they wanted it to seem like a cool show, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the fence because I don't I know. Should also, I, should, I should say that um, since TV has changed, the way we, you know, receive TV has changed so much like that I don't have live TV anymore. Yeah. So I, I yeah. actually haven't watched any of those late night shows for about five years or something <laughs> right yeah so i don't really know what who's on there these days so this is an older song protest song you were saying <clears throat> you started it 10 years ago you said or you yeah were... some something like that but and finished are, are we but ever fin- is, it, is it is it is it is it too name collie to ask you who inspired it or what uh i'd rather not yeah okay i just want to you don't want to you don't want to start a fight to break anyone's heart <laughs> it's just you when you say you know you're messing you know you know boys you're messing with a man's toys that's very personal i am like this is a musician saying you don't know what you're doing and you're gonna get a hoit which i also thought was good and i wondered if there's a whole there's a whole lot of meaning in all of that i'm sure <laughs> well i mean it's pretty much on the surface <laughs> yeah it is i just for some reason i want to know more and uh, it's not enough for me it's uh, it's interesting uh, i want to uh ask you about rye cooter i alluded to rye cooter earlier uh rye cooter is a very gifted american musician uh he has loomed large kind of in the on the sidelines in so many ways uh but he's just kind of touched everyone i just because of your record i i looked him up and i didn't realize that uh, are you familiar with this performance between Rye Cooter, Bob Dylan, and Van Dyke Parks? Oh yeah, with Van Dyke on piano. That that's great. It's amazing. That. They do Do Re Mi. It's fantastic, and I only watched it for the first time. I'm a I like Bob Dylan. I like Van Dyke Parks too. I've talked to him, and he's very lovely. Um, anyway, sorry. Tell me about uh, tell me about your relationship with Rye Cooter and what inspired that song. You know, he I'd heard of him since the Paris Texas movie and. So, you know, I, I knew of him, but I didn't really pay much attention to him until maybe five or six years ago. Um, I started, I think it was because of a, a record he made with an Indian guy who, I, oh, that was called like By the River or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that kind of piqued my interest and I started, I did a deep dive into everything he's recorded and was just really blown away by the variety and but it's also the way he champions uh different music from all around the world like without you know he's not just like oh this will be a nice little flavor on my record like let me get this sitar player or whatever you know he really puts himself in the position of a student i think and is like okay teach me yeah teach me how you play how to play music and really gets in there and just with so much respect and love for the music and i think also for someone who's been working as long as he has like he's still passionate about music you know there's no he doesn't have a jaded bone in his body it seems like Mm. yeah as far as yeah it's a loving tribute to rye then um and that, and that comes across. It's it's rye. It's your tribute to. I'm sorry, that I didn't mean it. It's a it's a it's a funny. When I say rye, it's a funny kind of tribute to to rye cooter. 
uh, it's amusing, but I feel like it is kind of historically accurate. The, the record you're talking about, I believe, is called A Meeting by the River. Uh, yeah, that's it. And it's, uh, by, it was Rai Cooter and uh, Vishwa Mohan uh, Bhatt. So a little bit of my name and a little bit of my dad's name, actually. Uh, so <laughs> I, I need to check out this, this record. Was there any particular reason you thought now is the time to pay tribute to Rai? It's just what you said. You just kind of got into him and he was on your mind. Yeah, just, yeah, it was like, it was one of the most recent songs for the record, you know, one of the last ones I wrote. And I also started thinking about, um, I mean, I shouldn't be talking about his passing or anything, but ah. uh, it's it's always kind of frustrating to me, like all these, you know, when a musician dies and then all of a sudden it's like all this love pours out for them from, and it's like, why not? Let's start that love a little earlier, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been hearing that a lot more uh, lately myself. That sentiment. By the way, uh, I love you, Bill. If I might say, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I just want you to know that uh, I do. Um, on that note, uh, since we spoke, we we have lost uh, David Berman. Uh, David uh, was someone I was a huge fan of and uh, became friendly with. Uh, like a pen pal, I suppose. And uh, I just like to check. He's on my mind um, every week. Uh, I, I, you knew him. I. How are you doing? Uh, it's been a year since we lost him. Uh, how how is uh, how's it going with you in terms of of David's uh, David's passing? Well, um, yeah. When I I couldn't believe it. It had been a year. It really didn't feel like that was possible when when I realized or when someone like pointed it out to me um, you know it's it's something I'll never understand probably and mm. uh, I think you know like when I made this record I was like I wish David could hear this and it just kind of enter, you know, when you, a person who passes away, they kind of, they stay, they remain in your life anyway, because, you know, I mean, you're not with all the people, you know, you have friends and that are alive and you think about them. I think about them all day too, even though they're not there. So it's kind of the same thing, you know, just like a friend that, you know, just like my other friend who is, lives two miles away. Like I can think about them and I can think about David and I, it's, yeah. So yeah, it's just hard. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's the worst. And, uh, no, I appreciate that. I know I, I brought it up because you you paid tribute to him. At, I think the first concert you uh, had after he uh, uh, passed away. I, is, if I'm correct, you recorded this record uh, in June of 2019. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this was prior to uh, losing David. I guess I'm curious if he is has informed any writing of yours. Uh, since I, I assume he, I don't even know if you would call him an influence on your work uh, as a friend, as a colleague, but um, I'm just curious about that. Uh, is he, uh, 
floating around in in your songs of late? I think he considered us to be rivals, like friendly rivals. Or, <laughs> uh, I mean, he was pretty open about that. Um, yeah, that's true. Did, did you see uh, it that way? I mean, I not exactly. I don't really not rivalry, but I do. It was always fun to kind of to put something out and then see what he was going to put out and then, you know, almost like a conversation or something, just yeah, an album conversation. <laughs> um, you felt like you were communicating with each other with how g- good your songs might be in a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, this David's going to be, I got him this time, or, you know, he's like, oh, wait till Bill hears this, these couple lines, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> or or just like, yeah, David's like David's going to like going to like this or Yeah. But we were planning on it hasn't really been publicized that much, but we were uh Will Oldham and me and David were going to do a tour together. Mhm. We're talking, you know, we kind of were in the process of figuring out what that would be and setting it up. And yeah, yeah. And then he, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm sorry to pry on that level, but uh, he just meant the world to me. And uh, like I say, I'm I'm thinking about it all the time. Uh, and so I just wanted to uh, commiserate. I guess. I mean, obviously, you're. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for uh, for uh, talking about David and and talking about that. Um, before I let you go. Uh, you mentioned that you wanted David to hear this record. And I, it has occurred to me, I've talked a lot to you about the lyrics and some of the things you say. I am uh, increasingly fascinated by your musical choices here. Uh, it almost sounds, this record, to be uh, improvised musically. Uh, it, it's a, bit, a little bit of found sound impulses. Uh, as a someone who plays the drums, I'm very fascinated by your uh, interest and lack of interest in drums. <laughs> <laughs> conventional drumming, uh, rhythmic patterns, these kinds of things. It's beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous, new kinds of sounds, I think, uh, for, for me and probably for other uh, musicians, they'll pick up on it. But do you have any kind of, you know, overarching comment about just the, the sound of this particular record and, and your approach to instrumentation of late? Well, it was, uh, it was kind of a, it was a very quickly recorded and mixed record. It was, seven days for all told and whereas Shepard was about three months so mm. all I really knew was I wanted uh, some horns in it because I hadn't used horns in a long time and I'd been listening to a lot of jazz and just thinking about horns as a as a sound maker <laughs> and uh, yeah so actually that for the horn parts like I had the parts that are very melodic and together where the two guys are playing together are kind of just hummed those to them. And, but then for the parts that are more improv seeming, I just let them improv because both of those guys are big improv okay. guys. Yeah. Um, so I wanted that. I really liked, cause I think that, I mean, I love improv jazz, but it can be, a little bit it can wear you down if you listen to too much of it 
or me speaking for myself. No, no, it, um, it can be a little indulgent uh, sometimes maybe, or I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's just, it's on a certain plane that sometimes you're on and sometimes you're not, you know, like. Yeah. So I was trying to kind of get the best of both worlds with a record. It's like have a little improv mixed with some things that are fixed melodies. So that's partially affected the sound of the record. The drums we added, I tracked it, you know, me and Matt on guitar and a Jaime Zuversa on bass, and that's how it was all tracked. Oh, okay. And then drums came in later. We tried putting drums on a couple songs, like Protest Song and Raikuder, and it just it just seemed to take away from the action kind of it wasn't it was it was uh distracting and so it just didn't didn't they didn't make the final cut of the mixing okay you don't hate the drums do you i love drums it's okay you can it's a safe space if you hate the drums you can say it. you don't have to say you love them if you don't love them you you, you like them <laughs> you enjoy them very much uh drums are fucking cool david okay. By the way, earlier I said, Bill, I love you. You didn't respond. And then later, I love the drums. You love the drums more than you love me. I'm a human being, Bill. Good Lord. I'm offended. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. I love the drums, too. And uh, I, I finally have a house where they're set up and I get to play for chunks at a time. And uh, sometimes I do, like, you know, the normal stuff. But sometimes I, I improvise. I think of the jazz or whatever. And it's fun. I like the drums. They're the full body workout. And they're fun. That's all I wanted to get at there. Yeah, they're um, something special. You know? <laughs> they a, are. a drum <laughs> kit is. <laughs> they can be annoying. It depends on the player, I think. I just I hear the the rhythmic uh, impulses here, or the drums. It's fascinating to me that they were uh, added later. I mean, that sounds complicated, but it's great. It's just a wonderful sound. I hope you're. Uh, I hope you're proud of it. I hope you feel like. You're on to something with it, if I may. Does that make sense? I don't know. Oh, you like that? I thought you were saying there wasn't enough drums on the record. No, I, I think there should be less drums in the world. Uh, that's just because uh, I hate myself. No, I, uh, <laughs> no, I, no, I think that's great. I, I don't, I don't think they're lacking. I think the uh, approach to drums is great, fascinating. Um, and I can't imagine drums on, you said there were songs that had drums. Like I can't imagine Ride Cooter with like full on drums, you know? Yeah. Neither could we. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Okay. So in terms of what's next for you, given everything that's happening in terms of, uh, are, you, are you someone who is happy to be off the road and with your family? I assume that's there, but uh, is it is it nerve wracking to not be able to go on tour? I, at first I was, it was kind of a relief and we just did a, I've been doing some session things with, for radio, you know, where I film myself. Yeah. But that's all been solo. But a couple of days ago, we did a, one of those, I don't, am I allowed to mention a different radio station? This isn't, radio? this isn't a radio station. This is a podcast. Yeah. You can, oh, anything okay. you, anything you want to do is fine by me. Okay. Then I would like to change this to a, a radio <laughs> show. <laughs> no, you can't do, well, I can try to, I'll shop it around. Sure. Why not? I, I used to, it used to live on the radio too, and it maybe can, but at the moment, uh, it is a, sorry, I hope this isn't uh, making you uh, upset to know that we're not live on the radio right now. This is a podcast. No, I knew that. I okay. Just, good, good. <laughs> it's, it, 
<laughs> it slipped my mind. <laughs> well, you and I have talked on the radio a bunch as well, so that I, I understand. Yeah. Anyway, yes, please. Uh, you, you've been doing some sessions. Well, we did one of those tiny desk NPR things, and that was. I got to play with a couple people, and that was like the first time that I'd done that in many months. And yeah, that felt really good and kind of made me, you know, it was like when they were packing up to leave, I was like, yeah, please don't go. <laughs> <laughs> this was at your Let's, house. You didn't go to Washington. You didn't go to like the NPR headquarters or something. Right. They're right. having people doing it. We did it in our outside. Oh, great. Awesome. It's not really a tiny desk then. Do you have to bring a desk with you? Yeah, they want you to put a little desk in a picture of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's funny. Well, I mean, yeah, that's going to be potentially your performing future, uh, it seems, for the foreseeable future. I did ask you about writing. Um, this record, Gold Record, comes as uh, you know, fairly hot on the heels of your a record that came out last year. Uh, are you in the midst of... Uh, writing and, and recording or planning to, to make another record at this point? I've got something in the can that I'm not really supposed to talk about, but it's coming out. Okay. It's not, it's coming out next year. Um, but there will be details emerging very in a, in a couple months, probably. Are you feeling, I feel like you're, you're probably always working and writing. It sounds like you are, but you're, publicly more prolific is that f fair to say and if so any particular reason why that might be the case or is it just this is what you do and you're gonna do it as much as you can now yeah i mean i, I used to put out a record a year in my in my younger days and just kind of been thinking like why not try to do that again you know it's mm -hmm. what's the big deal why, why wait five years and <laughs> Yeah. If you've got, if you've got it, you can, yeah, that's good. I'm glad. I, I hope you're able to record, uh, given the, the pandemic and the restrictions. I hope you're able to, to make it into a studio. Yeah. There's, there's ways, there's ways. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so if people want to learn more about this excellent new album, Gold Record, they can go to dragcity.com. Yes. 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 And you are, uh, last time we had a long talk about your, uh, dominance of Twitter. Uh, are you still enjoying being on Twitter? You are at Calaman, yes? At Bill Calaman. Oh, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. I, I, I should have asked. But sorry, yes, at Bill Calaman. Are you still liking it? It's a, you know, it's a, Twitter is a, it's a bitch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, Does, yeah. You seem to embrace it and enjoy it. And I, I, as you may recall, I touted your unique uh, abilities at the at the thing, but yes, it is. I it is it is not the greatest, is it? I mean, it's definitely like it's like heroin. I think you know, it's really really not good for us unless you're a musician, and then it makes you better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, still, uh, is it okay if I direct people to follow you at Bill Calaman? That's that's a good way to keep uh, tabs on what you're up to. Um, yeah, I try to put some promotional stuff in there sometimes <laughs> sometimes yeah 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 okay well bill if we can go out on a, a song uh from gold record if i can uh, present one uh to people uh what would you choose and and potentially why what's what kind of listeners do you have 
Oh, they're they're generally fairly short. I've noticed that. Uh, they're small. Uh, they're also few. No, I don't know. They're uh, yeah, they're all over the place. I had uh, I try to keep the show kind of eclectic. You know what I mean? I if I like a comedian or a an author, I have an author on, and then if I like a hip hop person, I have them on. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a thing. I just had Steve Von Till from uh, Neurosis on. He mentioned your name, by the way, uh, which I thought was weird. Uh, just not because you're weird, but uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to be in my head. I'm like, I'm supposed to talk to Bill. And then uh, before that, I had like a Canadian uh, sort of folk rock person, Kathleen Edwards on. So it's all, oh, it's, yeah. it's all over the place, I would say. And uh, I mean, you've been on the show. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> they're, they're, my audience likes you and they like those things, I think. So uh, it, it whatever you want. That was a really long answer. I'm sorry. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know. Well, that's okay because it was a really dumb question. <laughs> um, Anything you want. I mean, we can play whatever you want. The record. Oh, by the way, so the record's out. Uh, uh, what is it? The fourth of September. Uh huh. Yeah. So uh, uh, this will be out just before that. So uh, people will have heard, uh, I guess, nine of the ten songs uh, by that point. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, whatever you want to choose is fine by me. Well, how about since it's going at the end of the. Let's let's do uh, cowboy. Cowboy is a uh, seemingly a real country and western song. There's whistling. It has the the pacing and the the chord progression you would expect in an old uh, western cowboy song. Uh, what uh, inspired this song? And and also, why did you why did you choose this one to go out on? I think it has like a nice kind of relaxed air to. You know, ease us, ease us out of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Yeah. Sure. No, I mean, I mean, I mean that in a good. Okay. Okay. Transitions are are important. You know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's true. Okay. Well, let's let's go out on that. This is a a beautiful song called "Cowboy" uh, by Bill Callahan from his wonderful new record, uh, Gold Record. Uh, Bill. Uh, it's always uh, a tremendous uh, honor and joy to get to speak with you about you and your work. I appreciate you indulging me in these these things. And uh, if I may uh, throw out a, 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 you know, leave a matzo ball hanging, I love you and thank you for being you. And uh, I hope we talk again soon. All right. I think we, you maybe dropped out there for a second. I couldn't hear you, but oh. I got to go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the matzo ball hangs some more. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Okay. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you. Cowboy 
on the late, late movie. All I need is whiskey. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest 
With your guardrails in place, parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. All of my gratitude and and love, sure, how about I, I try again. All of my love to Bill Callahan for returning to this podcast and speaking with me again this time for the 562nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all Apple and Google platforms and other things as well. If you can't find an episode uh, that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my semi-regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can follow Creative Control on Twitter, if you wish, at vishcreative or follow me directly at Vishkana. You can also visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. And if you donate $6 or more, you have exclusive access to some of my uh, older interviews for that preceded this podcast uh, in my uh, lifetime as a, a journalist who spoke with people, including Bill Callahan. Perhaps I'll dig out, dig, dig up, dig out. I'll dig it out and up. Uh, maybe my first conversation with Bill Callahan from must have been from uh, 2009 or something like that, I think. Anyway, maybe I'll do that. But anyway, if you just want to support the show and you don't care about the frills, go to patreon.com slash creative control and make your monthly flexible donation today. Thank you. Oh, also, thanks again to live at MasseyHall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists. I didn't mean to give them a plug during my conversation uh, with Bill when we were talking about Johnny Cash, but it ended up that way. Massey Hall is a big deal. It's a good room. And I love going to shows there, and I may never get to do it again. So what the heck? Go to live at MasseyHall.com, and you can watch some some shows there and you can see what it was like to be in there and hopefully you'll all get to go back in there someday soon me maybe not i don't know anyway thanks to them also thanks to pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee in guelph and granddad's donuts in hamilton for their in-kind support for this show uh thanks as always to my friend jim guthrie who i saw bill callahan one with uh jim came with me when i saw bill callahan touring behind uh woke on a whale heart in it must have been 2007 or 8 I think at the music gallery in Toronto anyway Jim and I are old friends he likes Bill I like Bill you can learn more about Jim and his work at jimguthrie.org and finally you thank you very much for listening to this episode with myself and Bill and I hope you enjoyed it and if you're new to the show welcome there's lots of old episodes if you want to subscribe to the show and or or uh go through the archives and maybe talk to your friends about how you did all of those things so maybe they do it too that would be great but if not just keep it all to yourself and enjoy it at your leisure or leisure i have to go i will talk to you soon bye for now the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com